0: In the fall each year we all congregate The vows all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite birth, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what children fade Ain't love to find her in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and last thing. It's Saturday
2: the Saturday in Athens podcast we are a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans I'm your host Herschel Gurley boss is under the weather this evening so we have quite the replacement for him pinch hitting tonight we got Chase Kelly of 76 apparel big time dogs fan routine guest on the show one of our favorites Chase what's up brother welcome to the show
0: what's happening excited to join you guys again and looks like we're what 59 days from kickoff. So it's go time for us. And, uh, I'm excited to talk some dogs as usual. I saw that crooked
2: letter this morning when we posted our countdown pick and I got unreasonably excited about it (laughs) because it was like, Oh man, this is coming. July 4th is behind us. It's time to just get it ready for dogs football. Um,
0: I mean, well, first off, let's. how was your 4th of July, brother? How did you celebrate our nation's independence? Yeah, it was great, man. I got to go down home, uh, Chattanooga, where I live, uh, hung out with my family. We do this thing called Rib Fest every year. It's been going on since before I was alive. Uh, My grandparents would bring over our family from Gadsden, Alabama. They lived in Rome, Georgia at the time. So they would bring everybody over, and it would just be like, you know, this guy cooks ribs, my grandfather cooks ribs, my uncle cooks ribs. And it's just like, everybody's having like a rib fest and they literally just started calling it rib fest. And for a while it was on Memorial day, but most recently it's been on uh 4th of July. So we did our rib fest this weekend. So got to see everybody did the whole t-shirt reveal for rib fest and all that. So, um, we, we uh hung out at the lake most of the weekend and, and got to see family, got to see a lot of friends I hadn't seen in a while, did fireworks, you know, the whole thing. And it was awesome not to have to do anything on Monday. I love it when holidays either happen on a Friday or a Monday, you know, and you get that, or, or in this case, Sunday, and you got Monday off. So anytime you can get a long weekend out of a holiday, it just makes it even better. So hold on, y'all got, y'all got folks coming from Alabama making
2: ribs. So is it like a split camp? You got white sauce folks and you got red sauce (laughs) folks. Like it's just a battle
0: all weekend or what? Dude, you got white sauce, you got vinegar sauce, you've got the, you know, brown sugar, thicker, you know, dark sauce. It's just like, I mean, and there is a line in the sand and like (laughs) fists are thrown. If you don't like the, you know, great uncle Bobo's white sauce, then you just don't tell it. But then like, you know, in the car going home, my dad will be like, I can't stand that stuff. Like, you know, Papaw's Papaw's original sauce. That's the one, that's the one. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of all the same stuff. Just, you know, a few tweaks here and there. Uh, but yeah, there's, there are many, many, many flavor profiles and types. And it's funny because you'll see like whoever belongs to what side of the family, that's who gravitates to that pan of ribs. So like, I filled in for my grandfather this year, which was a huge honor because he's the one that did it the whole entire time. So I got to wear the chef hat and I filled in for my grandfather and like my family, like my wife, my mom and dad, they were all going to that pan. But my uncle who did a batch of ribs, like his wife and his nieces and everybody was going to that pan. And it's just, you know, it's that whole cultural thing. Like they, they eat those ribs all the time. We eat these ribs all the time, but you know, the two of us will have, you know, all of them because we don't discriminate when it comes yeah. to ribs, but it's funny just to watch some people's um, you know, they're, they're very, very particular about how they like their ribs. Um, you know, some people don't like them fall off the bone. Some people like them a little charred and more. So you gotta like kind of, know who your audience is and, and it's it's funny man it's there's literally three to four types of ribs there's all kinds of sauces it's it is very much what you said it's Alabama people it's Georgia people and then it's hard for me to keep out my Nashville influence you know like yeah. get a little rub on there like my, yeah. my grandfather would slap it out of my hand if I started putting a dry rub on it because he's like no, no 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 that secret sauce that base is all you need you're doing too much. but I'm like, yeah, but you know, in West Tennessee and Nashville, Memphis, like that dry rub's pretty good. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of influence on the ribs and it's, it's just a blast. Like you, you get to have, there's always a new baby or a new um, cousin or something that's their first rib fest. So the baby gets to have a rib and, you know, they paint their face with the sauce and everything. And it's, it's just a really, really nice tradition that we have. And it's, it is definitely one of the more, uh, celebrated holidays uh, in our family for sure. So,
2: this brings up an important question because I feel like people are kind of in two somewhat distinct camps when it comes to this. So, Georgia football tailgate are you a, I'm going to post up at 7 a.m. and I'm going to cook and have a spread? Or are you, I'm going to post up at 7 a.m., but I'm going to graze at the spreads prepared by others? <laughs>
0: Uh, the latter, because I am <laughs> way too nervous to worry about cooking for, you know, 10, 15 people, whatever it may be. When I was younger, we would have some, some pretty big tailgates, um, with a bunch of different people and everybody was, you know, a, a, an email would go out <laughs> on a, you know, Monday night or Sunday night or whatever. And it was always themed for the opponent we're playing. Um, and everyone signed up for a dish, like so-and-so would be bringing you know, hash brown casserole, or they'd be bringing you know, the chips in the dip or, or whatever. Um, and you know, depending on if it was a, 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 noon game or a night game. So there would be, mm-hmm. sometimes if it was a noon game, you got to eat at like, you know, nine 30 or 10. So it would be more breakfast related. And so you would do like, if we were playing Kentucky, you normally would have like KFC or, you know, something like that to play into the theme. But if it was a morning game, it'd be like blueberry, uh, breakfast casserole or something like that, yeah. know, getting that, getting that theme in there. Um, and so I was definitely one of those ones that was like, mom, dad and I are leaving at five thirty. Can you make X dish so that we have it ready to go in the morning? Like I wasn't fooling with, with cooking anything. Now, if, if, if I had to, I would, uh, but I was never the person that was necessarily setting them up because, i either lived in Nashville or Chattanooga when these major tailgates would go down. So I was right. traveling. And so I was like, I'll bring whatever. Um, and, and I'll definitely be there to help you set up and all that. But the people that lived closer or lived in Athens, they were always the one that got, you know, the big meat or the ribs or the, the chicken tenders or whatever. And they kind of set up the cooking. So I just kind of let them do their thing. Like, you know, we, Hey, we know our job and I was there to partake and provide entertainment while people were cooking and to eat and drink and sit on my chair and check scores and look at the lines and keep everybody updated that was my role and i did not ask for a new role. (laughs) so i used to be in the
2: camp of we're just going to cook the whole spread right but we went to the tennessee game in 15 in knoxville and like dude packed up essentially my entire backyard like we were working two grills my brother brought a smoker like we had the whole thing going we actually have an epic story from that day my brother brought a bought a brand new smoker from sam's club we're smoking like three levels on this thing right like we had prepped the ribs the night before still i will tell you best ribs you've ever had but dude we're throwing bags and this guy comes up and taps my brother on the shoulder and he's like hey man i think you ought to check your smoker my brother's just like no, dude, it's going to be good. It's going to be the best ribs you've ever had. And he's like, no, dude, I think you should check your smoker. (laughs) So he turns around. The whole thing is engulfed in flames. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I am talking like we're like 10-foot-high flames coming (laughs) off this smoker, right? So I have this picture (laughs) of my brother dumping a gigantic jug of water on top of the smoker, (laughs) Oh, it was such
0: a, it was such a disaster and so the
2: ribs turned out though ribs were excellent the bottom two levels That's that had awesome. the dogs and the burgers on it were like you couldn't have fed it to a dinosaur like they, oh, they were, were so rocks. charged yeah they, they were, were rocks. rocks but the ribs were excellent like that we get them so off, funny. and he's like we saved the ribs <laughs> so yeah that was uh but it was a it was a perfect omen for that entire game is oh, a, a smoker fire is what that game was so yeah, yeah that was a uh, so dude more of the story was we took all this stuff right and the food was great we had a great time we cooked essentially two and a half meals because it was a 3 30 kick so we were there at seven o'clock in the church parking lot <laughs> well it was all fine and dandy till the dogs lose in excruciating fashion we walked back and they were like oh we gotta clean all this shit up like dude, you gotta clean worst. it you gotta clean up three grills with like ash in it and everything and it's dark dark. Yeah. I
0: told my brother, I'm like,
2: man, I don't know. Maybe we should just like get fried chicken to go next time. Or something. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure.
0: Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> we, so we never like smoked anything on site at a game. I don't think anybody like had a portable smoker or anything, but we always had like the little camp grill or, you know, like a propane tank and deep fryer and yeah, that yeah. stuff, you know, it's, it's easy to clean up. It's, it's easy to pack and all that stuff. But as the, as older or as time went and, and we all got older and, and kids started coming around and it just, it got to be too much to like prepare everything there. So yeah. it was like pack the night before, you know, if you've got raw chicken or something like that, that's something you can, you know, fry and, and throw away and and all of that stuff. And so it, it kind of comes down to a science. Like uh, my buddy that was pretty much headed up the setup of the tailgate. He had a literal tetra style routine that he would pack his pickup truck <laughs> and like you know when it comes time to get you know get ready to pack up we're gonna make a walk to the stadium you know you'd start packing up chairs and coolers and all that putting it in and he was just like look i appreciate the help there is a certain way that i can make every single piece that's out here fit in the back of this truck you pack it up and just stack it here and i'll get it in there but don't fool with loading the truck and it every single time it was it's was just a silverado truck bed with you know a, a bed cover like a camper top and he'd yeah. fit it in there every single time and he would just leave it like that till the next week like he would pack the trailer the truck the <laughs> week zero basically yeah and it would stay packed or, or uh-huh. essentially in his truck unless it was in use. So like all through the week he's riding around town and if he needed to tailgate for the Thursday night JV game well he could absolutely tailgate for that game because he, he had it packed up but now it's more of a, um, you know, we'll meet and we'll tailgate a little bit. Um, now it's it's more of a, you you kind of have made friend groups over yeah. the years and you just kind of like, you know, pop around and see see your buddies that are over here and over there. And and you kind of have a route, or me and, and my friends do. We kind of, you know, we'll start at one side and then we kind of work our way down to basically where the dog walk is. And that's our our last stop and hang out for a little bit and then, you know, cruise into the game. Um, but there is, there's, there's nothing better than like the perfect tailgate meal. It's like being at uh you know, the old church picnics oh, at, yeah. the, at the state park or whatever. And like Miss Tammy brought her famous macaroni casserole or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. it reminds me of that. You're just, you're sitting in a chair, you have no table, you've got your, your plate on your lap. There's, you smell everything you know, the, the, the speakers are going, there's, you hear the buses, the sirens start coming down the street. It, it is, it is the best meal when it all lines up perfectly. Now you kind of get those 12 o'clock games and people just bring like, you know, little snack trays and stuff and that's fine, whatever. Um, but man, when you have that seven o'clock or three thirty kickoff and you actually like do a spread there, it, it is hard to beat that for me.
2: Yeah. So we're trying to figure out what we're going to do in Charlotte for the kickoff classic. So we talked about like going all out, right? Like we're either going to, we're either going to have an RV and like have the tailgate set up by the RV, or we're going to rent one of those tailgate trailers like from Tailgate Kings or whatever and set it up that way. So we have like a station essentially. Only so let's see. First logistical problem here parking at Bank of America is a zoo. So like there's not dedicated RV parking or like all the parking goes through like easy park. So it's a hot mess. So I've been trying to reach out to like breweries to see if somebody will let us park like at their spot and like, Hey, we'll just, we'll like tag y'all in our social all day. Right. Like let's do a trade here. <laughs> yeah, let us park, let sure. us park yeah, here yeah. and we will drink your beer and we will tag you all day and the stuff. Because there's a bunch of breweries, like you can see the stadium from the breweries. and I'm like, this works perfect. This is what we want to do. Um, but I don't really want to take all the stuff. So we talked about there's some pretty good barbecue spots in Charlotte. And we talked about just reaching out to one and just essentially building our own tailgate package and just having it through the day. Because, dude, like when I'm at home, it's just a ritual. And I think some of it's nervous energy. I cook the entire day. Until it's time for kick, like I will get up in the morning yeah. on a game day, <laughs> yeah. and I make a breakfast pizza. So I make homemade biscuits, and that's the crust. And then I do a sausage gravy that is the sauce, and then I top it with cheese and fried eggs and bacon, and that's like the breakfast pizza. So that's the I base layer in the morning.
0: I just got a new recipe. Oh,
2: it's excellent.
0: Yeah, it's all got new, I've got. A new game. Uh, yeah. Literally when game day's on, I now have something fun to make
2: again. That's awesome. Yeah. It's one pan. I do it all in a cast iron skillet and then you just build it up. It's it's phenomenal. And then I usually smoke either. I either start the night before and smoke a butt. So we'll have pulled pork and do a bunch of different stuff with that. Like we'll make nachos or just do sandwiches or whatever, or I'll do a couple racks. Um, but it's like, it's a good way for me to get the energy out, but it also makes me feel like I'm there. Does You're that make the sense? Game. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Totally. Yeah,
0: So yeah, that's kind I, of my for ritual. For me, like when the games, on, if, if I'm not at the game, which last year, you know, we weren't at many games. I, I went to two games um, and I'll be honest, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed watching games on TV because as we've said many times before, when you go to a game, if your tailgate doesn't have the game on like the game you go to watch is typically the only game you see of the day. Yeah. Depending on where you live, like, you know, you might get home and be able to catch the end of of the night games or get home, you know, by halftime or whatever, but that's never been the case to me because I'm usually at least going back to Chattanooga, if not Nashville. Yeah. And so last year it was amazing to be able to literally watch like 14 hours of football. Um, But having said that, like when our game is on, like I didn't find myself like eating very much because I'm, I'm, I'm standing up, you know, I'm pacing Mm -hmm. back and forth, you know, there'll be some snacks out or whatever. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll grab a a chip and Rotel or whatever, you know, during a timeout or something like that. But for me, I want to eat like a half an hour or an hour before the game, depending on what time it is or, you know, do a big thing afterwards. And that kind of, um, if we had a 12 o'clock game, when we had a TV at the tailgates back, you know, Oh, four, Oh five, Oh six. Uh, we, we did the old satellite and receiver mm-hmm. and all that. Yep. And, uh, and we, we, we had a, an unbelievable setup. So if it was an early game and we just did like snacks or something, or literally got there in time to make a walk to the stadium, we would do a tailgate after and there was nothing better than you won, even if you just beat Vandy or, you know, whoever, and you have a tailgate after, and you're watching like Florida or Tennessee or Auburn or somebody losing, and like, you know, other other tailgates are popping over and being like, okay, what's the yeah. score, what's the score? You're high-fiving with strangers. You're hugging people you don't know. It's That, to me, is one of the most fun uh, things about tailgating is the post-game tailgate. If, yep. big if, you've got – a television, you've got that set up and you can watch games, especially if something was on the line. Like the uh, 07 kind of comes to mind and we were we were needed in like Kentucky to beat Tennessee, but there was like two or three weeks in a row, I think it was like South Carolina, Vandy, and Kentucky all had a chance to beat Tennessee. And if we kept yeah. winning, we were going to end up in Atlanta. And I can remember uh, – I, re- I don't remember who we had played, but after the game we had a tailgate going and Tennessee was playing Vandy – I, I wanna say no, Jay Cutler wouldn't have been there. Whoever whoever Vandy, whoever Vandy had on that team that year, they had like one good player and nobody, I mean that could be every year, but nonetheless, they were giving Tennessee all they wanted. And like I just remember like 30 people being crowded around our tailgate, like it's getting dark, it's cold, you know, fires are going, and everyone is cheering for Vandy like they were the dogs. Yeah. Like, When I think about like tailgating, I I go back to times like that, that, you know, obviously like the 4 LSU or 13 LSU, that speaks for itself. But there are so many little times where you're tailgating after the game and in unison cheering against a rival. That is the most fun to me.
2: So what is your current game plan for the season opener? you staying in the dog den to watch or you making the trek to charlotte what's what's the plan here brother
0: we're we're planning to go to charlotte i don't have tickets yet so if anybody has tickets they're trying to unload and they want you know good hard earned money or they want apparel and goods <laughs> i'm open to either i'm i'm kind of like a pilgrim I, I will barter with the best uh, well, but no, tell 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 the people how many you need 2 4 yeah 2 put... need 2 at least you know mm-hmm. i'd i'd take 4 if you got 4 but Need two at least. Um, but yeah, we're planning on going. Um, as you guys know, like one of my best friends, he's the head coach at Charlotte, Will Healy, uh, shout out Charlotte, 49ers, um, go Niners. and they're yep. Go Niners. You got, you're a Niners guy too. Uh, with yeah. your brother. Yeah. Um, so they're hosting Duke that Friday night in Charlotte. Um, so I'm going to go and we're going to go to the Duke Charlotte game and, and support the Niners. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we'll be in Charlotte. Um, I, I plan on having tickets some way. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be, you know, hopping around to as many tailgates as we can and, and saying hey to everybody because um, I'm sure we'll have, you know, people here and there. And, obviously, you guys are going to do a big thing, so we want to be a part of that. Um, but we've got some good friends that live in Charlotte, and I know they're – planning have been big shindig because it's, you know, it's the shortest road trip of the year for them. So yeah, they'll have a big spread, a big setup. So excited about that, but yeah, definitely going to be in Charlotte. Um, and if I can't get in the stadium, um, I'm not even going to put that out there. I'm going to be, in, I'm going to be in the stadium yep. in my red and black cheering on the dog. So I will, yeah, I will be in Charlotte.
2: Well, we haven't talked to you since the big transfer portal additions. So I asked boss this a couple episodes back. Has your outlook for the opener changed, stayed the same, or n- neither nor after the additions of Gilbert and Kendrick?
0: It's definitely changed. <laughs> um, I I was confident about the game anyway. Um, you know, I, I do think it's advantageous that we had JT start the last four games of the year last year, and DJ, I know he, he started a couple of games for them last year, but I really liken what JT did um, the last four games this, this past season to, like, Matt Jones when he played the last two or three games for Alabama the year before. I just think that's a big deal. Um, and not to say that it's, it's – that DJ doesn't know it's his team. He does. But at the end of the day, he's played two games, and one of them he lost on the road, and one of them they struggled mightily. Didn't they? They lost to Notre Dame when he started, right? Yes. Trevor couldn't play. Correct. So one he had, game he, he lost. Had COVID. Exactly. So one game they lost to Notre Dame, and then they hosted Boston College at home, mm-hmm. and it took all they had yep. to get past BC. And I know we it took all we had to get past. Mississippi State, but Mississippi State would beat Boston College. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that, you know, we steamrolled South Carolina and Missouri, and we definitely got Cincinnati's best effort, and it was not pretty by any means. But at the end of the day, you go look at the numbers, which, in my opinion, they never lie. And, you know, JT put up video game numbers, Mm -hmm. and we were missing like half our team. Yeah. You know, so – I just – I think with the loss of Pickens, I think you definitely can counter that with uh, the addition of Eric Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Um, I the, the the best thing that I can think about right now is Kyrus Jackson and Jermaine Burton. Like, yep. I think those guys are the X factor. And then nobody's even talking about dominant Blaylock. Yeah, you know, dude. We get, I, we get Dom back. Uh, we've got James Cook, who showed out in, in, in a completely different way than we've seen before, Todd Munkin.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: you've got him back there. You've got Milton. You've got Zeus, obviously, that can just absolutely hammer you all day long. And then you've got, you know, James Cook and Kenny McIntosh, who are total threats out of the backfield. So the addition of them has definitely changed my opinion, but it's more so defensively because mm-hmm. I'm starting to really, really, really get the feel that the defense <laughs> is going to be salty. Um, I yeah. know Kendrick uh, had some issues with Chris Alave, you know, in that national or in the college football playoff last year. And like, I mean, okay, who, who didn't have issues with, with some of those guys, like our own Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes had issues with Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. I mean, it's going to happen, but I I just think that at the end of the day, that game is going to come down to the trenches. I'm not sure. So sure it comes down to, you know, Kendrick or Gilbert or Tyke Smith. I think it comes down to the trenches. And I think we all agree that, Georgia and Clemson have the best defensive lines in the country, and I am going to bet on the Georgia offensive line to show up before Clemson's offensive line shows up. And I think that is what is going to make or break that game, is will our O-line take care of business before Clemson's O-line takes care of business? And I, I think the answer is yes.
2: Here's my two big things for this game, all right? A lot has been made about Clemson returning all their starters on defense. And that's fine. Minus Kendrick. But was anybody super impressed with the showing of their defense in the last couple games that they played? No. Not not really, right? And also, just to kind of build off of that, I think if nothing else, the last two years and the last two national champions have evidenced that it's not a defensive game anymore. It's an offensive game. And Georgia undoubtedly has more returning on that side of the football. And it's not like Georgia lost the kitchen sink on defense, right? Like they still are super solid up the gut. Like I've I've said this a ton and I'll keep giving this analogy because I think it fits. I think you have to look at a defense like a defense in baseball, and if I've got a great catcher, a great shortstop, and a great center fielder, I'm going to feel excellent about my baseball team, and I'm going to build out off of that. And I don't think it's For any sure. different with a defensive football team. And so if I have Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, and Lewis Seen to build off of, um, I feel pretty freaking excellent about that defense. Um, so I agree with you. I think that defense is going to be salty, and I think there's more returning weapons and firepower for Georgia offensively than there are for Clemson. And I just think they're going to come out and I'm just going to mention a name that I didn't hear in your list. And I think he is just going to be an electric factory all year long. And that's Arian Smith. Like here's the Saturday in Athens prop bet for you. Does Arian Smith have a touchdown of 50 plus yards in the season opener? And your boy is betting the utility payment <laughs> on that being a yes. Yes.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You you just asked me that question. Let me ask you this: Is would Clint would would Nolan Turner and James Skowski, Salski, Skowski, whatever it is, would those two guys start for for Georgia on defense? I don't think they would. No. Okay. And so that's my point. Again, at the end of the day, I think the Georgia offensive line kit can mitigate the Clemson defensive line mm-hmm. before Clemson's O-line could stop the Georgia defensive line or enough times. And, and secondly, there's two guys that they're going to heavily rely on on defense that would not play or would not start for Georgia, in my personal opinion. And you've got – like Arian Smith is – Rusty Manziel says it all the time. He's a football guy that runs tra- track. Not a yep guy that runs track and plays football. I, I know Nolan Turner's fast. I get it. But I'm I'm rolling the dice with you on that prop bet because I'll take the guy that was, you know, tearing it up at the you know in the NCA track meets over Nolan Turner. Sorry, but I'm with you, man. I think there's there's two little X factors that that are going to decide that game. And one of them is the fact that they've got two of their guys on defense, really three, if you kind of count Kendrick, they've got two guys that would not start for us. And then another one that's not on their team anymore. Yeah. Like, I think that's a big deal.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I'm telling you, man, we were at the South Carolina game when Aaron Smith scored his first touchdown and it was separation city dude. like, I I don't know. He's just going to be an absolute weapon. And I think too, to your point, you could tell that he's been in the system for a year at G day. Like he looked like a football player and like body wise. And I just, in, in so many ways, and I, I hope they use him this way. And God, you just, I, I shudder to think how he could have been used in the modern game now, but in a lot of ways, he reminded me of Percy Harvin. Like I think you could stick him in the backfield and motion him out. Like he's he's small and explosive, but at the same time, like I think this is what always got undersold about Percy. Dude, Percy was built like a brick shit house. Like he wasn't like a little wafer that you're like knocking off the ball. Like he was a right, player. right. And yeah, that's what I right. saw on G day with Arian is like, dude, they could, they could really do some stuff with this kid. And and that's not even talking about what he could possibly do in the return game. Right. And we don't even really get a taste of that at G day. So I don't know, man, I, I, I am super fired up for that kid. And I just hope he stays healthy all year. Cause I think that's the only thing that's going to derail him uh, is if he has some kind of weird issue, like a wrist or whatever he had last year. Um, but yeah, otherwise I, I think he could be a weapon and, I mean, dude, we were going through the list, and I mean, you listed off a ton of them, but they are so deep offensively. With uh, there's just not even going to be enough footballs, like. <laughs> right. Seriously, I mean, they're going to have to be in. They're going to have to be a NASCAR offense at all times because they're going to have to run eighty plays a game to get everybody touches.
0: Exactly, and if nothing else, you have to worry about people. Yeah. It's not like we we think we're deep and we know we're deep because we followed them in recruiting and we're, like, expecting big things. Every single guy that's going to get trotted out there, there's tape. So you can go to any of them at one time. Like, they have to worry about everybody that's out there. Like, even Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint, you know, like – Yeah. There's there's tape on him that shows, okay, this guy, this guy can burn us. This guy can make plays. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of tape on Eric Gilbert. There's a whole bunch of tape on Jermaine Burton. There's the, the, the little tape that's on Arian Smith is big play after big play. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's out there, you have to account for them. And I, I just – I know this is, you know, with my red and black glasses on, I just don't know that Clemson is going to cover those guys all night long, all of them, to the point to where we couldn't score enough points to win. Because that's what the game is now, scoring enough points you know it's yeah you got to play defense and 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 it's certainly a big emphasis and, and I think we'll have a really good defense but like the name of the game is scoring points and like I just I can't see the likes of Nolan Turner and and James Skalski keeping up with three four wide receivers that we listed off five six even yeah plus those back side of the backfield and after you've been run, even if you we don't throw it to Arian Smith, and he runs, you know, 60 yards down the field, running down there, running back. You do that, you know, so many times a game, and it gets third, fourth quarter, and you've got our guy, Zeus, the God of Thunder, boom, smacking you. That gets tired. That gets old. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, their, their defensive line and their pass rush and all those things, there's just so many ways that we can combat that Yep. with the skill sets that are close to the football whether it's a running back or a guy in the slot or whatever obviously it takes some time for a guy to do you know a slant and go or to run a deep route but you get these guys if, if they're starting to whip our guys up front we can get rid of the ball quickly to people that are elite playmakers not just a running back and you're like uh I had to dump it down to our back that was one yard like we're getting it into the to the hands of guys that can go the distance really at any time for the most part. Didn't
2: you think we got a preview of that at G day too, right? Like, don't you think that's going to be the plan this year for the Todd Monk and offense is not to be the traditional, you know, man ball team that we've seen and we're going to pound it down your throat and it's going to be war of attrition it seemed to me that the plan with coach Munkin is to utilize the short to intermediate passing game as the running game. I mean, and this wasn't just when JT was at quarterback, I'm talking on both sides of the ball, whether it was a red team or the black team, quarterbacks were throwing these short to intermediate routes as a means of moving the football down the field. And they were going fast. And I just think that's what it's going to be. I think, Georgia quarterbacks are going to be throwing the football 40 times a game this year. I just think that's what we're going to see. Um, so
0: I'm going to play devil's advocate <clears throat> on that. And I, I, I wonder if – because I have the same thought. But I wonder if a lot of that was just because it's G-Day and it's like let's get these kids as many live reps as possible. Because at the end of the day, JT still hadn't had that many. I mean, he's played yeah. four ball games <clears throat> in, what, 18, 19 months at that time. So some of me wonders, okay, was that G day? And it's just like, you know, get these kids as many dropbacks as possible, or is this quite literally what it's going to look like? And like, I could go either way. Um, Because, you know, even, even in the NFL, like the name of the game now, isn't, you know, I formation, you know, pound the rock kind of stuff there. You you've got your third down back and you've got your, your specialty back, and you've got to be, you know, multifaceted as a running back. You've got to be able to catch. You've got to be able to, to get out in space and all those things. And I think you're you're seeing – like, I love Nick Chubb to death, one of my favorite players of all time. But he wasn't – if he was in the game, we probably weren't passing to him. We may yeah. pass, and he was, you know, going to be great and pass pro and that sort of thing. Um, but when Sony was in, it was kind of like, hmm, they could do – a myriad of things here, and that's yep. not to say we were predictable with Nick Chubb, and and maybe we were, but it didn't matter because he's such a freak; he didn't care. Yeah. Um, so, to play devil's advocate, I wonder if that's that heavy pass and and using the short passing game as part of the run game is G day, or if that's what the offense is going to be. But I think that it, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, because you know, I'll believe it when I see it. If Kirby. Doesn't get the running back uh, a quote unquote traditional handoff fifteen or twenty times in a game. Um, I I will believe it when I see it if James Cook has six catches out of the backfield and you know eighteen touches in a game. Um, so, but I but I you know I say all that and I think that's good because Clemson doesn't know that either. Yeah. I mean, they know more than me and you because they're smarter than me and you when it comes to X's and O's, but there's still just not a whole lot of predictability because I think the when JT was in, we were so much more talented than South Carolina and Missouri, especially. The playbook was was pretty dumbed down. Like yeah. we didn't have a spring, we didn't really have summer, you know, the 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 big you know, starting quarterback didn't play until the last four games of the year. So, I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's the exciting part because there's so much that can be used. And I think, you know, Munkin has to be just like dreaming at night of, of new plays and different plays and like walking into the office every day with a smile on his face saying, guess what we're going to learn today? And like he's just got – Weapons left and right. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants to use the short, the the short passing game as part of the running game, great. If you want to pound the rock, great. We're going to be efficient at all of those. And um, going back to what we said about Clemson, I will, I would bet my power bill that James Skowski and Nolan Turner aren't the ones stopping that enough to get a Clemson a W.
2: I think one of the interesting things to watch throughout the fall and the 2021 season is outside of Clemson and Boston. I've talked about this a lot on some of our previous episodes, but outside of Clemson, I don't think many people would argue that it's kind of a daisy field from the opener to December. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I think we have said this and I feel this way very passionately. I'm going to be disappointed if they don't beat everybody else in the schedule by 17 to 21 points. I think they are (laughs) that much better than every other team they're going to play because Phil Steele's magazine came out. It's been popped a little bit this week that he really thinks Florida is going to take a regression. I agree. I think they had everything in the kettle last year for success and they still Really had a super average year, right? Still lost four games. Still the lost four the games, lose their last three straight. And you lose a generational talent in Kyle Pitts, a quarterback that was perfect for that offense and Kyle Trask. And I don't know, man. I just don't see it. You know, it's still going to be a Grantham defense. I think you're going to put up 35 or 40 against them every week, and they're not going to be able to score like they did last year. I mean, they won a lot of track meets last year. So, Even that game, I know that that's kind of the bugaboo game because it's Jacksonville and there's ghosts and all that crap. But (laughs) I just don't see it, man. Because for me, it's recent history, right? And there aren't ghosts there for Kirby. Like last year was the anomaly. It felt weird that they lost. And that made me feel good. That's what I kept trying to tell my brother. My brother was like, oh, the sky is falling. And I'm like, homie. This is like the anomaly. This isn't the normality anymore. Like normalcy right, is no. us whipping their ass
0: in Jacksonville. Like it's fantastic. Oh, and we still had plenty of <laughs> opportunities, you know, not to rehash that game, but there were still plenty of opportunities to win that game. Sure, we just did not have the firepower at QB. You know, I, I honestly, I think if Stetson hadn't gotten, you know, drilled, and then I think Rose, they would have won. Marcus yeah. Roseme gets hurt on the same play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it's a different game that kind of took some wind out of our sails, but um, you know, it might've been 56 to 51 at the end of the game, but I, I think we would have had a better chance to keep up with them for sure. You know, who knows if we win, but you know, I, I just can't fathom losing to them with what we have coming back and all the production they lost. Like, literally everyone that touched the ball for them and got across the goal line is gone. Is
2: gone. Other than
0: maybe – maybe is Copeland Copeland still there maybe? I think Um, he's the only one. I mean, like you said, you lose Pitts. You lose Pitts and Trask, that's a huge, huge part of your offense gone. Then you lose Tony who, you know, he didn't really ever do much against us. But incredible athlete, like mm -hmm. uh, super skilled, Definitely a weapon, somebody you have to pay attention to. He was effective in the run game or the return game. You know, I just, I've seen enough football to know you lose that much offensive production. You don't just replace it when you haven't been recruiting in the top three for four or five years in a row. Like, yeah. You know, just like us in 19, when we lost all those guys from the 18 team, McCall, we lost uh, Ridley, Nada you know, and we thought, Oh man, we'll be fine. You know, promoting from within like, yeah, we'll be good. And there was a clear drop off on who, oh, yeah. who could get the ball to. Yep. And, and, and that was with the same quarterback and the same running back. Yep. You know, it's, I just, I just don't think there's anybody in our way, like you said, after Clemson until we get to Atlanta. And then certainly there'll be some tough games and some physical games, but we by far, you know, if you start looking at that blue chip percentage, you know, other than obviously Clemson and Alabama, I don't think anybody on the schedule is, is like higher. I don't know what Florida is, but the the Auburns, the Tennessees, you know, I think they're probably somewhere around in the mid fifties to mid sixties, as far as percent of blue chippers. And we're at like, what, 82, 83 or something like that. Like, there's just not going to be many people that can get in our way after Clemson and the Clemson, if we lose to Clemson, it's not the end of the world mathematically, but we, we have to win that game. We just have to win that game. For all the reasons you already know, it is a must win game. And if we don't win that game, I'm not so sure that there's not a, a, a pothole on the schedule after that, but we win that game. And it is absolutely smooth sailing until December.
2: So I got a couple points on this and remind me to come back after I make this first point to a what if about the Florida game from last year, because it's a huge, what if in my mind, that just hasn't really gotten talked about. So I do want to talk about that. But my premise with this is I am going under the assumption they're going to win the Clemson game just because I do think they're going to win the Clemson game. And I'm, I'm really not saying that as a biased fan, like, yes, I am a huge Georgia optimist boss will tell you that he balances me out, but um, he's much more uh, (laughs) even when it comes to these things. But I just think if you look at just from a straight football perspective, I I just think Georgia's better. Um, And so I think they'll win that game. And so here's my question, right? Georgia is going to be so much better than everyone else in their schedule after Clemson. And I think the tendency for Kirby in the past, in the East, was just to do what they needed to do to win, right? So, hey, if we are going to run it 35 times and win 21 to 10, we don't care. We just want to win. But my premise is, based on what we've seen the last two seasons, is I think what the plan should be is we're going to come out and we're going to try to blow the doors off of everyone that we play in preparation for the first week in December, right? Because after that, it's all light up the scoreboard games, so we can bring home some hardware. Yeah, right. So I'm super interested to see how that ends up playing out. Do we see them flinging it for three quarters and dropping 45 points? Not because they're trying to dump truck people for style points or whatever, but because. We need these reps cumulatively over the course of the season so that come prime time in December and through the first week in January, we're ready to kick ass and take names. Right? So I'm very interested to see that. I think that's something to track as we move forward through the 2021 campaign. Now I want to come back to this. What if about the Florida game? Cause I am very much in agreement with you. I have said this before I think if Stetson does not get hurt with the shoulder because it was very noticeable after he got hurt that he just couldn't throw it anymore. And before that, dude, I thought he looked sharp. And for the first time since maybe the first half of Alabama, he kind of looked like a little swaggy, kind of like he felt right, you know, like he felt comfortable in the offense. So here's my question to you. Let's say he doesn't get hurt. Right. And he plays that whole game and they win the ball game. All right. So they are still on the path to Atlanta for a rematch with Atlanta. Yes. Georgia. Yeah. Do the coaches still make the call the next week to put JT in or is it Stetson show until they get to Atlanta? And then where does that set us and put us from an expectation perspective in this
0: moment right now, if that happens that way, man, that's a, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I don't make 7 million a year to make that decision. <laughs> so, Man, so I sure I wish I did. Uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> thrilled that I don't, I didn't have to make that decision. Um, but you know, if we just go on history alone, it, it, you would, you would think that he would stay with Stetson, um, in 2017 when, you know, fromm took over I, I can remember sitting there at the at the Vandy game and it was it was kind of like well you know they said Easton's Easton's back he's gonna play like is he gonna get a series is he gonna get a series and like he didn't get in the game until it was like 48 to 7 or something absurd and he got he you know they let him play and he got sacked from behind fumble and like that was or maybe it was a maybe it was a shutout I don't remember um, and then Vandy like recovered it on the one yard line and ended up punching it in. Um, so if, if history tells us something, it would be that he's going to ride the hot hand. However, those two guys are more similarly talented in skill than Stetson and JT. Sure. Now, now, you know what I'm saying? Now there may be not as big of a difference in the JT we see coming up, but last year you know, coming off the knee and is his knee healthy? Is it not healthy? We never ever knew what the story was. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was clear the arm talent, the physicality was just different. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of think that he would have let it ride with Stetson and maybe just had a, an extremely short leash. If he felt like JT was ready to go. I feel like once we lost to Florida, and JT was like, "Yeah, I can go." It was just like, "What the heck?" I mean, yeah, what are we gonna lose? Let's let's <laughs> let's go with it. Um. So I, you know, again, I don't make that. I don't. I don't make enough money to make that decision. Um. But the really the only thing you can go on is that that situation happened in 2017. He rode the hot hand, um. And so I kind of think he would have done that with Stetson. Just a a really 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 short leash. Having said that circle back, he traveled JT to the Arkansas game. Yeah. And he was asked, well, if, if JT wasn't cleared to play, why did he travel? And Kirby, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, uh, in case he did get cleared to play, you know what I'm saying? So like (laughs) (laughs) he wanted that kid out there. He wanted that dude out there under center. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, maybe he does play JT when it, when it gets going, maybe, maybe, you know, say, let's say the South Carolina game, for example, we get up 28 to nothing at halftime or whatever it was. And we've just been pounding the ball. Maybe JT starts the second half. And it's like, Whoa, okay. You know, maybe it's one of those deals where, you know, you kind of, you kind of start splitting reps and, and, and see where it goes. But I don't know. I, I kind of think he probably would have just played the hot hand. And at that point, how could you argue? I mean, the kid was beating Alabama at halftime. I'm talking about Stetson, he's beaten Alabama yeah. at halftime. He's beaten Auburn. He's beaten uh, Florida, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and you know we're in the driver's seat for the East. If he pulls Stetson and JT goes out there and hurts himself, I mean he's getting cussed up and down. Like we're doing fine with Stetson. Like what? What are you doing? Like you've, you're fumbling the quarterbacks again. So. Long story long, I, I, I kind of think he would erode the hot hand knowing that, you know, if push came to shove, we can still just pound the rock. That, that, that is a
2: ultimate, I feel like, put your brain in a pretzel, what if? Because I feel like it's one of those things where you go, okay, as a Georgia fan, is it worth just the wet fart of an end of a season that last year was if it means. It was the four game prep or four game runway to set JT up to yes. fly in 2021. I think everybody would say, "Hey, we'll take that." But in that moment, in the parking lot in Jacksonville with the Jacksonville Bulldog Club post game, only oh I would have loved it if Stetson had been healthy and they'd won that football game, right? <laughs> like yeah, for sure. So it's it's just an interesting, I think, kind of kind of question. You know, it's one of those things where history will probably show that it was probably the best thing that could have happened because JT got his shot and rolled with it. And yeah, he stays, if he stays healthy, I think he's gonna have a monster a year. Um, And it's just interesting. And man, you know, we were all about getting behind Stetson, especially when he was just, packing absolute hammers in the fourth quarter of every win so I mean just absolute horseshoe chaws to to end every game I was here for that 100 percent and I still think that should be a thing like Stetson needs to do victory chaws every game this year he just needs to know that
0: yeah how has how has some someone not reached out to him to if homie I guess it's because it's like you know alcohol and tobacco are probably off limits but I mean, that that just seems like an absolute goldmine for for somebody's marketing campaign.
2: I mean, if I was a chewing tobacco company, he would have been my first call. Like I would <laughs> right. have I would have had him just throwing in an absolute hog on some type of social media. I mean, it would have been excellent. I would have probably done a commercial. I mean, I've I've played this out so bad. Boss is probably so sick of it. But I would have had him do a reenactment of the scene from Sandlot when they go to the fair and I would have had him like whip it out and he said, got the good stuff. <laughs> like, oh, he just would have been perfect. Just Bertram Grover Bennett. Like it would have been perfect. But yeah, somebody's <laughs> dropping, somebody's <laughs> dropping the ball on that for sure. Um, yeah, man, maybe, maybe Saturday afternoon podcast will get into the tobacco business and Stetson can be our NIL guy. I'm not going to make there that happen. Well, look, I can't let, I can't let you go speaking on the NIL note without getting you to tell us a little bit about the exciting couple of weeks that, that y'all have had and everything going on with Iconic. So why don't you talk on that a little bit? First off, just take us through that process. Like how does that come to fruition and and what were the kind of thinking points and talking points
0: behind that? and, And when did the
2: decision to, to plow forward with that all happen?
0: Yeah. So, um. Appreciate you mentioning that. Um, it, it's been a, a crazy seven days, to say the least. Um, but part of our services, you know, that we offer with Seven Six is the ability to host e-commerce platforms and web stores for companies or entities that are, you know, in business and they think that they could generate some revenue through merchandise, but don't necessarily have the time or the means or the knowledge to do so. Um, And so really we offer this service mainly to like nonprofits, such as um, the American cancer society and bulldogs battling breast cancer and those sort of things. And it's, it's kind of the opposite of the old school way of when, you know, your church needed t-shirts, they would order, you know, 300 or 400 or 500. And and somebody in the church office is sitting on them in a box And having to hand them out to everybody left and right and we felt like there was an opportunity to kind of do an on-demand printing model where if you need your shirt you click on this website you know you would link it to your main website and when somebody goes to order their church shirt or their you know t-shirt from the brewery they just visited or whatever the entity was we would print it, pack it and ship it and send it out. And it's been a really, really, really successful model for us. And so kind of thinking about the NIL options and knowing what, what's the one thing these kids are going to want to do. And that's have their own logo and have their own brand, have their own merchandise. And it's, you know, we've been doing this for five, six years now, this model, Um, So it's not a new business venture for us. It's the same thing we do every day for tons of other companies and organizations. And so we thought, what, what better platform to provide for the kids, these players than the one we're already using. Um, And so we, we didn't want it to be under the seven, six apparel. We wanted to keep it separate um, for a myriad of reasons, but, we developed Iconic, which is Icon, E E I K O N is the Greek word for image. And so that's where the spelling of it comes from. And plus with our, the bulk of our clients, especially starting out are going to be from Athens. Obviously that is Greek by nature. And then Nashville is kind of considered the Greek of the Greece of the West. You know, you've got your Parthenon and you've got a huge um, Greek community in middle Tennessee, like there is, you know, around most, you know, smaller towns, you've got the local Mexican joint on every corner, or you've got the takeout hibachi or whatever. There are Greek restaurants everywhere in Nashville and they're often ph- phenomenal. And so it made a lot of sense for us to call it iconic, knowing that we're, we're doing business for, the image of players based on the image of players. It, it just, it, it came together perfectly. Um, so we, we developed a new, a new website and we shifted all of our print on demand operations to iconic. And um, fortunately we were able to get connected with Kendall Milton and we reached out to his family and, and just told them what we could offer and, and showed them how it would work. And, and they believed in us. They, they loved, you know, what we could offer the fact that it's, they don't have to do anything but market it. They just have to be their own influencer. They, that's all they have to do is market it because we're going to receive the orders. We're going to do all the customer service. We're going to print pack and ship everything. And literally they will get paid based on their sales You know, it costs X amount to produce the shirt. They sell it for X amount on their site. The difference in between, that's theirs. And so, you know, we went through UGA compliance and we have a little like memo that we kind of have to fill out and and the players have to fill out. And so they're all on the same page. Everything lines up. You're reporting the same things. Um, But it's been wild the last week because the NCAA has basically said, hey, do whatever you want for now. Like whatever your state legislature is, go with it. If if they don't say anything, then kind of basically do whatever you want. Um, So it's, it's just been crazy. Every time you open Instagram, players are getting compensated in a different digital form. Um, So then that led us to say, well, gosh, we've spent all this time thinking about how we're going to create brands for players and and create content that keeps fans coming back. And, you know, once you buy a logo t-shirt, you don't need it in another color. Um, so we're, you know, you try to have to develop content so they keep coming back. Then we decided, you know what, we've already got our own brand. It's, it's doing well in the Georgia communities, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, brave stuff or Georgia stuff or or Bulldogs, whatever. Why don't we get these kids if they don't necessarily have the clout to have their own brand and sell stuff with their logo on over and over and over, they can still make money with us by being an ambassador for the seven six. So that's the other thing that's, that's really been cool for us is that we're able to pitch to players. You can have your own line of clothing. You can have your own logo. And you can wear our stuff and get compensated for that too. And like, I've, like I tell the players, and, and I've discussed with you before, me being such a big Georgia fan and, and all of us really wanting the best for Georgia, that means we're going to do the right stuff you know we're going to handle our business the right way to make sure that Georgia is okay in the long run. And if Georgia's okay in the long run, the players are going to be taken care of, and I'm going to be taken care of. My family is going to be okay. It's a happy, happy, happy marriage for everybody. Um, and so that's my message to you know players or friends and family of people that that know kids that that are that are dealing with this right now is is we're going to do it the right way because we value your ability to play on the field because if you're not on the field you can't sell any merch you know and so right we we really 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 want to take the right steps and do it properly um so yeah that's kind of where we stand right now we've got the seven six outlet which you can be a brand ambassador you rep our stuff um and you get paid or and or you you feel like you you can move some stuff we'll we'll set you up with a brand and we have a really cool model where there's options where you don't have to pay up front you know we realize a lot of kids don't have you know tons of cash laying around to get trademarked and to do the proper licensing things and, and protect themselves and so we're giving them an avenue to sell their stuff and earn money and we will hold it out of their quote unquote commission you know whatever their cost was if it's the cost to develop the logo if it's the cost to trademark um, we think that's a really cool uh, opportunity for them. you know. just like I've said before, the old got to have five years experience to apply for this job. Well, how do I get five years experience if I don't get the first five minutes? You know, how, how right. do I pay for this trademarking in this logo if I don't have any money? And so the risk is on us, but, but we believe in the guys that we're working with. We believe in the families we're working with. Um, and we want them to feel comfortable knowing I'm not going to be in the hole with this insurmountable, seemingly insurmountable amount of money. And I may not ever sell anything. So the risk is on us and we're willing to take that risk as as the owners of the company. And so, again, if you're a player, you're a parent, you're a friend, you're a cousin, you're a relative of guys that want to get involved with this, but you're, you're worried about the money up front, we have options where there is no money up front and it'll work itself out if you market yourself. That's all you have to do. Is market yourself, be marketable. Wear your stuff. Like I tell the players we're working with now, we're working with Kendall Milton, Jack Podlesny. Uh, at the time of this, we have just gotten Zamir White. I tell them your time to shine is on the field in the fall. Like, don't be so aggressive and don't you know make yourself look cheap and just be saying yes to everything. Protect yourself. Get somebody involved with you. It's a family member, a former coach somebody you rely on to help you out. I'll be happy to talk to anybody. I, I love talking with the parents because I want to know the parents are involved. I want them to feel comfortable with what their kid's doing. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's opportunities for to make money with us both ways. And um, we're, we're very excited about the way it's going. And football season is when it's going to happen for them. And that's when they need to have on their t-shirt under their blazer, at the dog walk, you know, the videos you see, the hype videos of them getting on the plane, traveling for the road trip, have your T-shirt on, have your branded gear on, under your jacket, under your sport coat, and people are going to see that. It's football season. They're pumped up. the summer, people got 50 million things going on. But during football season in this part of the country, it is the dogs 24-7. And so when they see, you know, jackpot and his his T-shirt after the game, after he kicks the game winner, or they see – um, Kendall walking down the dog walk and he's got his logo T on under his, under his jacket. And they're like, wow, that looks sick. That is when you guys are going to start seeing your stuff move. Uh, but you need to get set up now and make sure everything's going good and make sure, you know, it's, it's, it's what you want, but when it comes football season, man, and you got that stuff on, it is absolutely over. You are you are in control of your income. If you are working with us, whereas if you're just waiting on, you know, the local pizza shop or Hayward Allen to call you for a a car, car ad, what's the key word there? You're waiting. But if you've got your own brand, if you're a brand ambassador, you can make money by posting an Instagram story. It's that simple. So don't wait on everybody else, get your own money. And like, as an entrepreneur as a business owner i want that message going out to these players because they're going to learn a valuable lesson in life that you don't just get money money comes in money goes out that's the that's the reality of it so another side of that is is they're going to learn a lot about themselves they're going to learn some skill sets that they maybe didn't know they had they may fall in love with branding and apparel or business and so maybe they don't make it to the next level and play in the nfl maybe they are inspired and they start their own company. So that to me is exciting for them uh, as well. And, and we can't believe how crazy it's been just in the past week. But definitely stay tuned and keep supporting us. And and we're so thankful for guys like you and boss and and the podcast and and pumping us out there because if if we get exposure like this, then we can keep printing and making shirts that, that people like and the fans can't buy at the bookstore. And we can continue to provide platforms for our players, our guys, and, and we want to see them be successful on and off the field. So can't thank you guys enough for, for investing in us, even just with your time and obviously with your money. And we certainly, certainly appreciate it. And it, it really does come down to, to the support we have from the fans to be able to help out the kids. Well, what I love about it is y'all are functioning in a way that's a true partnership. It's, um,
2: it's obviously business for both sides, but I think there's a partnership with the best interests of the kids in mind. And, you know, you and I have talked about this off air, but my, my worry with this is that there are going to be folks in this marketplace that take advantage of the kids. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, they're kids. So they're not, they don't have a lot of knowledge about how things work or, or how they should set up the business structure, protect their IP or, or whatever it may be. And I think y'all are doing a great job of helping to educate them on that and provide the knowledge that y'all have earned with y'all's own business and try to pass that along, kind of pay that forward, which I love. Um, and I think it's great for the kids too. And I'm hoping, and we talked about this a little bit, but I'm hoping that the efforts um, that the athletic department is taking at UGA is, is to do that with the athletes across the board, not just football, but educate yes. them on how to protect their brand, how to best monetize themselves, all those type things. Because I do think it is a delicate balance mm-hmm. between providing value and being overexposed. Um, and so I, I think it's beautiful that y'all are providing kind of a safe space for them to attack that and do it in the best way possible. So tell everybody the best ways to follow and support Iconic, whether it be on social or if you know they have a buddy that's playing college athletics that maybe has a good market for something like this, best ways to reach out to y'all. Just, just tell us the best ways to do that and, and support y'all.
0: Yeah, man. So we are on Twitter and Instagram on uh seven, and iconic. We don't really dabble in, in Facebook much. Um, but we are at iconic brands on, so on, uh, excuse me on Instagram and Twitter that's E I K o-n-i-c it's like i said it's the greek spelling of it um and then we're at seven six apparel the words spelled out not the numbers um and you can find us on instagram and twitter um you can also email me if you're wanting brand representation it's chase at iconic brands.com. if you want to do ambassador programs or or whatever else if you're just interested in and in what we have to offer for your organization or your company that would fall under the seven, six apparel side. And that's chase at seven at the 76com Uh But either one of those emails will be fine. You can, you can hit us up on the socials and uh, we've definitely got something we can do for you. Even if you're, you know, just looking for one-offs, like well, that's kind of what we specialize in and how we got started is printing one t-shirt at a time, custom stuff. Um, so there's never an order too little or too small for us. And uh, all of them, all of them are awesome in their own way we we certainly appreciate them from small to great so check us out and you will if nothing else find a Christmas present for your uncle that you thought you'd never find you you'll find something you (laughs) you like uh when you you stop by our spot so thank you for for allowing me to come on and talk about that a little bit
2: yeah and we'll link all that in our show notes so that folks can kind of access that easy um so if y'all want to go Follow and support Seven Six or Iconic. Hopefully, you guys are already following Seven Six, but with Iconic just kicking off, hopefully, you can hop on and support them as well. Um, and like I said, we'll link all that in the show notes. So you guys have an easy access point for that, and we'll try to plug in the the usernames when we when we pub the uh, the episode on social too. So we want to we want to push that. But love that man. I just love what y'all are doing. Been excited watching it all week, just because it's it's one of these things, and I felt this way when Ray Fulcher had his big week a couple Fridays ago, releasing his new music and and playing the Opry. We just like when good things happen to good people. So it's cool when you kind of know the folks that are behind a venture like this and you just know that, there's good hearts behind it. And that's definitely the case with y'all. So we just, we love it, man. We're going to support it everywhere we can just because we want it to go well. And we think it's a good, good space for, for all college athletes, but, but especially for, for dogs athletes. So that's obviously of of huge importance to us. So we love it, brother. We're excited for y'all. And, um, Hey, we always love when you come on. So thanks for (laughs) taking some, some time out of what we know is a busy time for y'all to Talk dogs with us, and we'll be having you on again soon before the season kicks off, and
0: we'll be seeing you in Charlotte for sure. You better bring the belt. Oh man, I'm bringing the belt, and I <laughs> plan on keeping the belt. So, um, you know, anybody that thinks they want some of this action, let's go ahead and, and we can start. We can start on Labor Day weekend. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you my picks while I'm wearing my belt and you can tell me yours while you don't have the belt on. So <laughs> I, I, I love fully intend. I, I mean, that. it's got its spot in the dog den. I'm looking at it right now. And like, I'm sitting there thinking if that thing's not in here, like it's going to change the dynamic of this room. And I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm not into that. So, so I'll be there and I'll be there with my belt and uh, we'll have a big time. And, uh, and again, thank you so much for all you guys do for seven, six, helping us out you know, getting us on the platform and, and uh, helping us get some exposure. We, we definitely appreciate it. And we definitely feel it.
2: Yeah, brother. Well, Hey, um, you gotta, you gotta start strategizing your week. I think that's part of it. You gotta go later in the season, I think, and get your, get your picks. And I was ta- I was texting with, um, with Aaron Davis a couple weeks back and uh, I was busting his chops a little bit about coming back on to pick in the fall. And he's like, yeah, I got to redeem myself from last fall. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, Aaron, you came on week one. Like, we kind of handicapped you there because we had you on the first week. That's always yeah, the worst yeah. week, man. Yeah, that's I tough. Didn't,
0: you just don't know. Yeah.
2: I told him, I said, we should have had you back a second time because that was kind of tough. Maybe we should have the first week just be kind of a, a mulligan for everybody and me and boss will just pick. But Our picks week one were horrendous. So, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And we don't start week zero either. So, at least we'll have a little bit of week zero to get in line. But, yeah, we're looking forward to some more recreational picks, my friend that's music to my ears (laughs) all right brother well we're gonna keep keep watching you and keep cheering for you and uh we are looking forward to this kickoff coming here and soon to be once this clock turns 58 days also say a little prayer for your boy i'm not hearing the elements taping this tonight you know i'm I'm braving elsa bearing
0: down on us here in the low country oh yeah man to get get this in. (laughs) yeah y'all hunkered down man stay safe out there i i I completely forgot that storm was going on but uh yeah y'all y'all hunker down and make sure you get this podcast out first and that's foremost. it nah, we gotta get kidding. we gotta we gotta get you this got you got bigger this, things to worry storm. about <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> it brother well oh, as man. we always close out man we just always rock it out with go dog sick
0: go dog sick him.
2: hey george is better now